again ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 14 of Hunter Hunted Hybrid Wars. My third outing into the Clan Mason variant of the AVP universe. And as always, I do hope you'll like, share and subscribe to this wherever you can. And leave feedback via sites like fanfiction.net, archiveofverone.org or even my own website ghostnobody.com. All your comments and thoughts are always welcome and I always love reading to what you guys have to say and what you're thinking about the series so far. And if you do pop over to ghostnobody.com, why don't you stop in and check out Storm Rider, my original works taking place in a fantasy world, filled with dragonesses, orcs and elves, magic and a plethora of other species. Check it out, I'm sure you'll find something you like. And while you're there, why not pop over to the ghostly link section? Check out my original novel, Mortis, for sale on both Smashwords and on Amazon. Pick yourself up a coffee if you haven't already. Help support me. Keep me doing what I love. Bringing unlikely alien romance stories to you good people. So, without any further ado now, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own AVP or anything to do with it. This is all fan fiction. My job here is just to keep the Huntresses happy. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 14. Homecoming. The dreamer pulled into the huge berth that looked like a large metallic cradle and space dock. The large heavy cruiser was locked in place by a series of large locking arms that reached out and gripped the hull, with a series of dull metallic thuds that reverberated through said hull. This was followed by a series of large metal flexi metal pipes that attached to the airlocks. The light above the airlock green, uh, door changed from red to green as the pressure seal was checked and secured. Liam tapped a few buttons on the inner door and the outer doors opened at the same time. This was the only time that both doors would have been opened at the same time to prevent the ship from depressurising and venting everyone out into the vacuum of space. Come on, ladies, we'll take the shuttle down to the surface from here, Liam said to his ever-curious pack. Why don't we just take a shuttle from the ship to the surface? Lieber asked as she slithered along. Oh, the dreamer needs to refit and resupply after the fight in orbit of your planet, so she'll need to restock her ammo, not to mention her food supplies. She'll also download her data banks and sensor data, plus there's constantly running shuttles to and from the surface, bringing people down and up to work. Now there's going to be a lot of Xenos in here, so try not to mind the stairs. They're a curious bunch of the best of times. Ian said with a smile. Do they live here? Sev asked, as there was, and there was a large, deep, rumbly laugh from behind, and they all glanced back as they slithered and walked along through the tunnel. It was Tick Aleth, and alongside her it was Jack. Trust me, you're going to see where they live. They are kind of obvious, as are their mothers, Tick said with a grin. Liam chuckled softly. Understatement of the year right there, Grand Matriarch, he said, and the four serpentinas around him looked confused. Don't worry, young ones. You'll see exactly what he's talking about soon enough, Jack said. Slea made a humph noise and frowned at Jack. Who are you calling young ones? Lieber here is 32 rotations old and I am 31 rotations old. Granted, yes, our species live for about 250 rotations, but we are far from young. I would say our male is younger than even our youngest member, Veem. Who is twenty-eight rotations? Slea said, and Jack snorted loudly. Slea looked at Liam, who was just grinning at her. 
Yeah, okay, you got me. I am younger than you all. I'm 25. But the humans of this world live for about 400 years, which I guess is about the same as your rotations. And the Yejuta, like our Grand Matriarch here, can live to a thousand years, he said. Salia's mouth dropped open and she looked a ticking at the shock. Don't worry, young one, I'm barely in my first hundred-odd years. As is my beloved male. Though as Lady Pia's chosen one too, he is, has a Yejuta lifespan to match mine. So that my chosen one and we will never spend a single year apart or aggrieved at the loss of our other half. Dick explained. Leave aside. That sounds so beautiful to have your male bound to you for life like that. She said and Tick nodded. I am bound to him and he to me. He is the father of my cubs and the love of my life. Spending every moment of the rest of my life hunting at his side is my distinct pride and honour. Dick said proudly. As it is mine too. Two halves of the same coin. Jack said, giving Tick's huge arm a squeeze and her mandibles a stroke that made her purr. The door that separated the docking tunnel into the huge main ring, the huge orbital dock, was one part station, one part construction berth for constructing new space vessels. It was also one part orbital defence platform, armed to the teeth with large, long-range naval-class railguns and anti-capital ship missiles and torpedo launchers. We'll leave your official tour of our planet with a young Seeker Silver here. I'm sure you'll manage to stretch it to more than just the inside of his quarters and bedchambers. We have to go see some Xenos about getting a whole load of guns. Really big ones, Jack said, giving Liam a clap on the shoulder before heading off for Tick in tow, giving him a wave as they passed. I wouldn't mind a tour of your bedchambers. Mimi said sensually, slithering in close, and Liam chuckled softly, reaching up and stroking her head and snout. There'll be plenty of time for that, I assure you. But first, many things to do and to see. So come on, let me show you paradise, he said. My version of paradise is you laid out on a blue pillow, holding a desert rose in your teeth, wearing a nothing but a where's Lieber look on your face. Lieber mumbled and Liam snorted and felt his cheek warms. You really do like that pillow, don't you? He said with a smile and her hood flared slightly. I like what's laid on it a whole lot more, she said, nuzzling him with a smooth snout. That's when they caught sight of the space station properly and they all stopped and looked around in awe. Oh, wow, this place is huge. Look at it. You could fit our entire orbital fence network inside and still have room. Salir exclaimed, looking around the huge cavernous space made up of a multitude of levels, all rising around a central core that rose up like a huge metal pillar. Liam led the girls across the main deck, where they were truly enraptured by all the colourful Xenos scurrying around in their multitude of uniforms, everything from angels to battle angels to sane engineers to sane saviours, not to mention the human and Yuta that were here too a lot of which turned to look as they saw Liam pass by with his four charges, many of which saluted him as he walked by. We call it the North Star. It started life as a space station for early detection of anyone approaching our planet, but in their wisdom our Grand Matriarch and Patriarch saw an opportunity to do much more than simply watch the stars with it, so they had the place turned on into a full-on space dock, big, 
big enough to house and build four ships like the Dreamer at the same time. Although we only have one in her class right now, though others are being constructed. I'm sure you saw them on their way in. They're super heavy cruisers. But are built to punch way above their weight in class. So think of them more like pocket battleships. Also capable of carrying and deploying a good number of troops into battle when needed. Then also to provide all but little fire support. But I have heard rumours that Yoshi and Citrus is on working on some new kind of ship that make the Dreamer look like a cargo shuttle. But Goddess only knows with those crazy Xenos, Liam said as he shepherded his pack towards the shuttle bay. Yoshi and Citrus? Sev asked curiously. Yeah, don't worry, you'll meet them soon enough. Their hive is the centre of technological design and scientific study on our world, not to mention a place of learning. In fact, all the hives are in one shape or form. Zara and Cortez's hive is our place of medical study and healing. It's basically a giant hospital dedicated to saving every life that enters through its doors. It's where all our battle angels come from. Then there's Murphy and Ein's hive. They've turned a large section of the planet into a farm, designed to grow our food while protecting the planet's fragile ecology, Liam said proudly. All of them looked impressed. I would love to see that. I bet our farmers would love to get a look at something like that. Our kind were once solely carnivorous, but we evolved over time to become omnivores. A great many of us still do eat a primarily carnivorous diet, though, Beanie said, and Liam nodded. Humans are pretty much the same, though we do have extremes on both ends of the spectrum. Some only eat meat, while others only eat vegetables. Though most eat a mixture of both, he said as he shepherded them into the shuttle and guided them to their seats. It was rather interesting watching them trying to figure out how to effectively sit in said seats, especially as they were designed for people with legs. But eventually they managed to park their pert rear ends on them. Liam dropped into his pilot's seat and strapped himself in. He quickly powered the shuttle up and went through his pre-flight checks before requesting both launch permission from air traffic control and also landing permission from ground control, stating both his identification and clearance levels. Seekers, as a general rule, had higher clearance levels than most, and second in command of the Soul Knights, Liam's was pretty high as much as it got. All was granted, and he flipped the comms to the passenger area. Okay, ladies, hold on to those cute scaly rear ends of yours. Here we go, he said as he lifted off from the landing pad. The small interplanetary shuttle really didn't have much in the way of weapons as it was primarily designed as a surface hopper, designed to ferry people to and from the surface to a ship or orbital platform, not to really fight battles. Wow, look at all that blue and green. It's beautiful, Salia's voice came over the comms. And Liam glanced back into the crew area and found them all craning their necks to look out the same porthole that was set in between their seats, which was affixed into the bulkhead. These shuttles had four rows of 20 seats, but thanks to their VIP and diplomatic status, they had the whole shuttle to themselves. Hold on, girls. Atmospheric entry in ten seconds, he said, and the girls gripped their seats as the shuttle began to shake as it hit the outer atmosphere. Flames began to lick up the outside of the ship, sending yellow and orange tongues running all over the glass. Liam was an experienced pilot, as were all of the Seekers, 
their grand patriarch pretty much insisted on making sure they were trained to operate any vehicle they may come across. So Liam could fly anything from a shuttle like this one to a huge starship like the Dreamer. They could also pretty much drive any vehicle they came across in the field. Same went for their hunters. Their grand matriarch was just as fastidious in her training as her beloved husband was. Soon enough the shaking stopped and the flames dissipated and they breached the atmosphere and dove into the incredibly blue sky beyond. Coming up on the capital city on your left now, Liam said as he took them down and the girls all crowded around the porthole again. Oh, wow, look at that. It's beautiful, Libra exclaimed. One of those large conical-like structures just outside the main city, Vimy asked upon seeing the huge structures. Those are the Xeno Hives. On the east side, you have Citrus and Yoshi's Hive. On the west, Ein and Murphy's Hive. And that one in the centre of the plains at the north end, one near the top of the large hill, is the Hive of Zara and Cortez, home of the Battle Angels. Liam said. He circled the city. Do you see that large, almost pyramid-like building with all the rather angular ceilings towards the jungle side at the top of the hill? He asked. They all turned around and Sev pointed it out. There, that one, she said. That's the Seeker Temple. That's where I call home, he said, glancing back, and he could see their tongues attempting to smell the temple through the sealed glass portal making him chuckle softly. The landing site was in walking distance from Citrus and Yoshi's hive, and no sooner had he sat down he found his girls up and ready to go. They were chomping the bit to go out and see his home world. They immediately slithered up to him and flanked him on all sides. Liam opened the door and there was a hiss as the pressure seal broke and fresh air filled the cab. As the loading ramp descended, Liam immediately saw a group of Xenos approaching them, all wearing lab coats. Welcome, welcome. Oh, our king and queen would be so pleased to finally meet you. The first Xeno, a female, said happily. She was wearing a voice modulator collar, which growed like a little green gem around her throat so they could understand her. We are very happy to be here and look forward to meeting your king and queen, Celia said in her best diplomatic voice, making the female Xeno that Liam knew to be called Vex smile brightly. Liam led the group towards the entrance to the hive and saw his girls looking around the huge entrance in awe. Is this place organic? Libra exclaimed, reaching out and touching the organic polymer that made up the walls. Yep. Tire place was constructed from scratch by our queen for her and her king to live in. Once they had their first children, we all helped to improve and enlarge it. My species secrete a natural organic resin that we can use to construct what we need. But over the years, we've found numerous applications for it as well. As when combined with various elements, produces incredibly strong and lightweight building materials that were completely weatherproof when set. Vex said proudly as she led the four Serpentinus and one human seeker into the hive. A few winding corridors later, she led them out into the gigantic lab area and all four of the Serpentinus stopped dead and looked around in utter shock and awe at the sight that greeted them there. Welcome to our home, the leading scientific and engineering research facility in Clan Mason. If it beeps, whirs or clicks, we've broken it apart and figured it out, and made it better, right here, Vex said with obvious pride as she gestured around her. 
No matter how many times he saw this sight, it never failed to impress Liam. The entire place was one gigantic lab, cubicles all around them, with Xenos in lab coats scurrying around, screeching and hissing at one another as they discussed the inner workings of the universe as they knew it. Projectors and whiteboards and holograms were everywhere, and groups of Xenos, with both Yejutas and human among them, also in lab coats, or indeed engineering overalls, were all stood discussing various problems together. This place always made Liam smile. It truly was a testament to interspecies cooperation. All of them here were with one singular purpose, to understand everything they could, and then to teach that knowledge to others. It truly was a superbly beautiful thing. Seemingly out of nowhere, a huge black shape morphed out of the shadows of one of the huge corridors, and as one, all four of the Serpentina's girls' mouths fell open. Ah, Slea, Lieber, Sev and Vimy Diamond Scale. It is my distinct pleasure to introduce the queen of this wonder of learning and knowledge, Queen Citrus, and her human king, Yoshi. Liam said, gesturing to the utterly enormous xenomorph that now stood before them, regarding them rather curiously. So these are the serpentinas that my beloved children have been in such a tizzy about. It is good to finally meet you. Ever since my beloved children started receiving reports on your species, our hive has been truly buzzing with excitement. My children absolutely love to learn about new forms of life and to meet new people, Citrus said, her voice husky and warm. She too was wearing a voice modulator collar, kind of like a large green dog collar around her neck. Slea was the first to recover her senses after meeting the huge xenomorph queen. Liam kind of guessed this would happen. To see a xeno was one thing, but to see either a Praetorian or a queen was on a whole new level, what with their size and sheer presence. But it was always funny to see the, both the shock of seeing one and the confusion when they finally realised it was friendly. Queen Citrus, it's an honour to meet you and to be welcomed into your hive which I must say I don't even have words to adequately express how impressive it is. Our beloved male has told us all about it, of course, but even his eloquent words don't do this place justice. It is a true marvel to behold, Slea said, gripping Liam's arm lovingly and tightly. Citrus, whose collar acted as a universal translator, drew up and both smiled happily and proudly. I am glad you think so, Slea Diamond Scale. It pleases me to hear that your male speaks so highly of us, Citrus said, turning out a large crested head to look at Liam, giving him something of a sly smile. Yoshi finally stepped forward and, as usual, had an array of magnifying and scanning devices strapped to his head that kind of made it look like a seriously kick-ass jeweler's louvre. Ah, this is my beloved male, my human king and the brightest star of my heart, King Yoshi. Citrus said, introducing the rather shy and softly spoken Japanese man, who was now blushing at his queen's loving introduction. But let's be honest, he didn't exactly need to be loud and aggressive when he had his queen at his back. There wasn't a being alive who still had the sense they were born with would fuck about with him. There was a saying on this world, hurt a king and face his queen. It's good to finally meet you all. The hive was getting near constant updates since the Dreamer came back into Clan Mason space, and everyone's been absolutely buzzing with anticipation. A new race, new biology to study, new ways of thinking and to analyse, new technology to investigate, 
such joy all around. I'm hoping it's the same for you to meet us, Yoshi said in that infinitely soft voice of his. Oh yes, indeed. Both my pack sisters Lieber and Vimy here are chief surgeon and chief bio-researcher, respectively. They have been absolutely relishing the chance to speak to your best scientific and medical minds and to swap and discuss theories and data. Not to mention Sevier is our chief historical chronicler and historian. I know she would absolutely relish the chance to get a look at your history, Slea said proudly, indicating each of her pack sisters in turn. If you would like, Vimy, I can introduce you to our beloved children who run the Bioscience and Research Division. They work under a human scientist called Grace. I'm sure she'd be absolutely thrilled to meet you and to discuss ideas with you. And please do excuse the excess energy. Xenos get very energetic when they get excited, Yoshi said. Yes, please, I'd love to, Vimy said, and Liam gestured with his hand for her to follow Yoshi, who led, her th- led them through the hive. Liam instantly heard the shrieks and hisses of surprised Xenos, who now had an alien in their midst, and Liam saw the clamour to get a look at her, and instantly Vimy found herself shaking hands with an ever-extending queue of excited Xenos. Liam chuckled softly and turned it back to Citrus, who was watching her husband lovingly. Would you like to lead the tour, Queen Citrus? Liam asked, and the big Xeno smiled and nodded, leading her away with her long tail swishing behind her as she showed the ever-curious Serpentinus girls now around the hive. This is truly a marvel, Queen Citrus. What you and your family have created here is absolutely magnificent. I cannot wait to tell my people of this place. Sev said, and Citrus smiled at her. Thank you, Sev Diamond Scale. Your kind words do you honour. You should meet Leah Ridgetclaw. She's the head arbiter and historical chronicler. I'm sure you two would have a lot to talk about, Citrus said, causing Sev to smile brightly. Thank you, Queen Citrus. I will do that. I will seek her out, she said. Once they finally managed to pry Vimy away from her new friends with a promise to return later, and to continue with the variety of conversations she'd been having, Liam led the girls from the hive and out into the city at large. They slithered about looking at absolutely everything. Every blade of grass, every flower, every person who stopped to greet them in the street. Though Liam did have to admit, watching them in the park as they passed through on the head up towards the Arbiters, before they were to head up to meet Zara and Cortez's hive to meet the King and Queen of the Battle Angels, was rather beautiful. In the park, there were children of all races playing together, chasing each other around, playing and climbing on specially built climbing frames, while they were being watched over by proud parents of all races, who were either playing with the children or stood chatting together. There was a mixture as diverse as the offspring were here. Hunters, saviours, simple civilians, all equals and all proud of their young as they should rightly be. The products of their love made flesh clan's greatest strength and resource, happily running around and playing with their friends and siblings at large. The second one of them set eyes on the four aliens in their midst, they all stopped what they were doing and ran over to Liam. All four of the Serpentinus girls were positively gushing at the sight of the children. Oh, wow, Seeker Liam, they're really pretty. Who are they? A young, pure-blood human boy called Trevor said, looking up at Lieber with wide brown eyes. This is my pack, and they're all my wives. 
This is Slea, Liber, Vimy and Sev Diamond Scale. They are Serpentinus, a new species who want to be our friends. Our Grand Patriarch and Matriarch brought them here to show them our homeworld and to show them our way of life so they can see with their own eyes what good people we really are, Liam said in a soft voice. That silver diamond scale. We have your name now as well as ours, beautiful husband. Don't forget you are now Liam Silver Mason Diamond Scale, Lieber said with a smile followed by an affectionate nuzzle to his cheek. What did they say? Trevor asked and Liam realised they didn't have UTs to translate. He held up a finger and he began chanting till his eyes flashed and lit up with bright glowing blue energy. Reaching out he connected to the minds of all of them including the parents and transferred the Serpentina's language to all of them getting a collection of oohs and ahs as they marvelled at the display of dream warrior power in their midst. There you go. Now you can understand them, Liam said as the parents all came over to look at them as well now. I keep forgetting that people don't understand our language because everyone aboard the dreamer could speak it, Zev said, and all of the children looked at her happy because they could now understand her. Don't worry, the returning seekers will ensure that it becomes widely understood. It's just a simple thing for us to communicate language like that. So we make sh- we'll make you and the ghost others will all be understood, Liam said. Oh wow, you're all so big and long and your tail is really shiny. Plus your scales are really, really pretty. I like green. Green is my favourite colour, Trevor said looking at Sev's tail. Te- Sev just made a squee noise holding her hands up against her chest. Before anyone could say anything, she plucked Trevor off the ground and cuddled him against her. Human younglings are just so cute, she squealed joyfully as she cuddled the giggling boy. Liam saw the parents bristle as one as their protective instincts kicked in, especially the Jujuta. It was kind of hard-wired into them to protect cubs. Didn't matter whose they were, any of them would fight to their dying breath so that any cub might live. Liam held up her hands to show them it was all right and she meant no harm. Oh, it fills my heart with so much joy that our younglings might grow up in such a beautiful place, that our sons and daughters will have many friends of many different races, and that our daughters, when they form their own packs, will have beautiful males like this one to form their own pack with, exotic and handsome, just like our own beloved husband, said, said, placing Trevor back down slithering up to Riam and wrapping herself around him. The parents looked at him curiously and there were a few sly and amused smiles among them now. Just as long as they don't start taking too many pretty humans away from the Yejuta, one of the Yejuta mothers said with a smile as she rubbed her own human husband's hair playfully. Or the Xenos. The Xeno mother said wrapping her tail around her human husband possessively and protectively. Liam chuckled softly. I think our pure blood population is more than healthy enough for everyone to be happy, including our new friends here these days, he said. Can I touch your tail, please? A young Yejuta girl asked Lieber, whose hood gave a surprise away. But she nodded her consent and the smiling girl put her hand on Lieber's long tail. And a moment later they were all at it, laughing joyfully as they all felt the girl's shiny and smooth scales. Sev showed off that despite her smaller size than the others, 
She was just as strong by lifting up a few wrapped in her tail, making them shriek as delight as they clung on, or Sev swung them around. It made Liam smile how easy his pack adapted to being around all the other races, and how easily they actually took to it. Liam saw the streaks in the sky of the other shuttles coming down now. He knew most of them would be bound for the Seeker Temple, as they would be ferrying down ghost slitherers for training. So their first stop would be to get them settled into the large barracks that the place had. Jack had built the place much larger than was strictly necessary, with the hope that one day it would be full of warriors from all over the galaxy, trained to do good and to fight for good. It had large barracks, just like the Hunter Proving Grounds, for single seekers to live in. Those that had a mate, or indeed a family, lived in either their own home or the larger mated quarters on the upper levels. The barracks itself was underground, hidden directly beneath the temple to protect the seekers in case of a preemptive orbital strike on the place. Jack had wanted to make sure that his seekers had the chance to live and get to fight, should such ever an event occur, hence why it was built like a reinforced bunker. Lots of concrete reinforced with layers of both ceramic and the special metal that they refined here to make it blast-proof. Liam smiled when he thought of the little ones the ghost slitherers had brought with them being allowed to come here and make new friends and to play with them. It would be the first time in their lives they'd be able to slither around in the open air freely without any fear of persecution. They would be as free as anyone else and able to enjoy their little lives. Because here they would be safe. They would be protected. Here Clan Mason would tear anyone apart who tried to harm them ever again. Once the pack waved goodbye to the kids and their parents, Liam led them off towards the Arbiters. All of the Clan Mason Arbiters were saviours, trained as both chroniclers and police. They were dispensers of both justice in the clan, which on supremely rare occasion that someone ever broke their laws. But to be fair, the only real thing they ever had to do, and even that was rare, was break up a fight when a couple of Yuzhuta girls had got into an argument over a human boy. Though thanks to the mate hunt or the battle royale, these fights were usually the result of whose woman whose woman was the stronger argument. As such, the Arbiters really didn't have a lot to do in the way of peacekeeping. Instead, mostly what they did was chronicle the events that happened and organised the mate hunts and the battle royales, which, to be fair, kept them rather busy, as there was always petitions to hunt flying around the clan. The Arbiter's office was in the centre of the city itself, so they drew rather a lot of attention slithering along the city streets, but both the atmosphere was both curious and friendly rather than confrontational, with Liam's pack waving to onlookers and greeting and getting greetings and waves in return. As Liam held the large door open for his girl to slither inside the office, and was straight away was met by Nix, a large male Yuzhuta Arbiter, with white and black snow-like camo skin. Ah, Seeker Silver, it's good to see you, he said, smiling, waving at the Seeker approached with his pack in tow. Actually, it's Seeker Diamond Scale now, Liam said with a smile. Silver Diamond Scale, Sev corrected happily, and Liam chuckled. Yeah, my name and title is a bit long to say all of it, so just rank and last surname will do, he said. Oh, I assume that has something to do with our new friends here, Nick said, looking up at the serpentinous girls encircling him. 
and his large marble desk that sat in the centre of the well-decorated arbiter's lobby. The arbiter's office itself was a large place, with the lobby that they were currently in had a large marble floor, with the cloud and mason symbol right at the centre of it, with an inscription in both Yuta, Zeno and English written around it. What heroes achieve we remember, for we stand on their shoulders as their sacrifice for us lifts us all towards the heavens, it read. Yep, the beautiful ladies here are my new wives. I'm part of their pack now, and so proudly so. Oh, here, allow me to impart their language to you so you can speak to them, Liam said, reaching out towards Nix, who leaned his large decorated head forwards, his little predlock charms jingling as he did. There was a brief flash as Liam gave him the serpentinous language. Thank you kindly, Seeker Sil- uh, Diamond Scale. Well, that's going to take some getting used to. And damn, I'm going to have to send out notifications put a hunting request in on you. A lot of girls are hoping to bag themselves an Ooman Seeker boy, or as Vivi would say, a succulent slab of Ooman Dream Warrior beef, Nick said with a grin as he did quotation fingers for that last part. Doing rather bad impressions of me again, Nick's. A deep, growly voice said from their left, and they all turned to see a rather gargantuan Yejuta female standing nearly nine feet tall, with the muscles in place that most humans didn't even have places. Her skin was bright yellow and black, almost like desert camo. Dex grinned at her. Think I'm getting better with every attempt, boss, he said, and Vivi laughed. Well, he got one thing right. Not a disappointed Yejuta girls out there now, Seeker Silver. He was spoken for. Yours truly among them. I would have very much liked to have gotten a chance to taste said succulent slab of Ooman Dream Warrior beef, she said with a rather predatory smile that made his girls move in and flank him close on all sides protectively. Vivi laughed when she saw this and smiled at them. Oh, calm down, ladies. You have nothing to fear from me. I am a proud Yejuta huntress and an arbiter of Clan Mason. I would never in a million lifetimes touch another female's claimed male, especially when said male could kick my sculpted ass clear across this building before I could even blink. There's a reason my people revere dream warriors, and if you've ever seen your husband here fight, you know what it is. But I can still look and admire and pine, can't I? Jealousy is not unnatural after all, she said with a grin that made his girls relax somewhat. Well, I'd better get to add in Seeker Diamond Scale to the married and unable to be hunted or petitioned list. Plus, I'll need to add the names and details of his wives here to the Chronicles, Nick said, tapping at his computer. No problems. Girls, if you would be so kind, Liam said, gesturing to Nick, and his girl slithered up to him and began giving him their details so that it could be registered not only as his wives, but as now as new members of Clan Mason, as was traditional. Anyone who married a member of the clan was made full members by default. Well, I'm going to head over to the Seeker Temple now and start collecting all the details of these... What did the Grand, pa- what did the grand Patriarch call them? Ghost Slitherers, is it? Yes, that's it. Before they slither off and I have a job trying to hunt them all down. Vivi said, It's not like you to turn down a good hunt, Vivi. Not going soft on us, are you? Liam joked playfully and Vivi growled at him, making all of his girls bristle as if getting ready to leap into their male's defence. 
Vivi then roared and laughed, smacking her ass with a resounding slap that echoed to the chamber. There's nothing soft about this girl, I can tell you that now, she said, and Liam laughed. Now all you need is a good woman to appreciate all that hardness, he said, giving her a grin. Well, now you're off the cards. Oh well, I guess I'll have to poke around the seeker temple while I'm there, see if I can catch any pretty woman eyes, I guess. She said with a wave over her huge shoulder, and like that, she was gone. Slea looked at Liam for an explanation. Oh, don't mind Vivi. I've known her since I was younger than the kids you met in the park. She's a merciless flirt, but she's harmless. Well, in the sense of her being a nine-foot tower of muscle whose job is to break up other fighting towers of muscle who are arguing over whose human is prettier. But truly, she's a sweetheart, if anything. And I do feel a little sorry for her at times, Liam said, and out of the corner he saw Nick's nodding in agreement. Sorry for her? Why? Libra asked. She just never really seems to have any luck in the love department. Every time she seems to think she's got a sight set on a human, someone snatches him away before she has a chance to act. It's a real pity. She really does have a lot to offer any human lucky enough to catch her eye, Liam said. As I remember, she put her name on the list of those who wanted to wish to hunt or battle for you, didn't she, Seeker? Nick said, and Liam nodded. Before I non signed my non-consent form, yeah, Liam said. You signed a non-consent form to not be hunted? Why? Sev asked curiously, tickling his ear with her tongue as she slithered up to him. I simply wasn't ready. I was still too young and I wanted to focus on becoming a proper seeker. Didn't think it would be fair to me or to whoever caught me, as I wouldn't be around most of the time. So I signed the form and put myself off limits, Liam said. I know this sounds selfish, but I'm glad you did. It meant we got to meet you and claim you instead, Leah said, and Liam smiled. Had you been here at the time, you would have been denied the right of claim, Nick said, and Slea and the others looked at him in surprise. He's right. Clan Mason's laws are strict but fair. When a situation where multiple people wish to stake a claim to a person to avoid an argument and conflicts, a hunt or a battle royal is declared. For you see, it is believed that Pyre will only guide the one whose love that person the most and is purest and strongest and will make them happy for life. So we place our fate in the hands of the goddess of the hunt herself and let her guide us. For you see, she only doesn't guide the hunter, she guides the hunted too. She shields them from those that are not meant for them and guides them to where they need to be to meet the one meant for them, Liam said proudly. So what if none of them are worthy? Sev asked in a fascinated voice. Liam noticed she was taking notes again and it made him smile. It's simple, the hunted escapes and the hunt is declared over. And the hunted are free to choose their fate. Or to join the hunt for another. Nick said. Hmm. It is a bit of an odd system. But I can see the fairness in it. And in a sense. We also took part in it. Maybe just because your Lady Pyre. Or maybe our great tree. Graded us to you. To the ones who will love you for the rest of your life. As we as we know you will love us for the rest of ours. Sev said gently. And slowly wrapping herself around him before being joined in her sisters in the love rap. After they were done there, Liam took the girls up to visit the giant farm hive of Ian and Murphy, 
and the girls were absolutely reveled in watching the various Xenogenus out there in the fields working with their king and queen hard work alongside them, growing, nurturing, tending and caring for all the vegetables, herbs and plants under their care as they fought to feed their clan. After that, it was on to the giant hive hospital and the home of the battle angels. It appeared they were already busy. The ghost slitherers had all been brought here for an examination and medical clearance by the hive. Though it appeared most of the females, Xenos, were cooing and fussing over the ghost slitherer children. It seemed that their cuteness had a real effect on the girls, as they were screeching and happily hissing while hugging them and making a big fuss of them at the same time. It also seemed that Queen Zara wasn't immune from their overwhelming cuteness either, as she was currently cradling four of them in each of her multiple arms. She was hissing and cooing at them softly, and it was obvious that the children trusted the huge Xeno Queen. They were giggling and hugging her while Cortez was standing to one side, smiling at his huge love. She truly is the most natural mother you could ever imagine. I suppose it it goes with the territory of having such a large family, really. He said with a proud smile when he saw Liam and his girls watching the scene unfold before them. Liam chuckled and nodded. Oh, don't worry, I know what kind of mother's queen Zenos are. Ain't too many being stupid enough to mess with a Zeno when their mother's around. It's kind of like poking a sentient bulldozer with a stick, he said with a grin. Ahem, that's incredibly sexy and ravishing bulldozer, thank you very much, Cortez said with a playful smile that he shot at his beloved queen who displayed her incredibly sensitive hearing by flicking her tail at him and giving him an incredibly gentle and playful swat across the rear end with it, making him making Liam's laugh. Well, if you have the time, I'd like to get my gorgeous wives medically certified and cleared, if possible. I'd like to let them have a look around the hive. The very lovely Lieber here, owner of the sexiest hood around and queen of the blue pillow, is chief surgeon among her people, and is absolutely fascinated by our medical tech and procedures, Liam said, making Lieber's hood flare out in embarrassment. See, what did I tell you? Have you ever seen such a sexy hood before? Liam said, playfully embarrassing Lieber even further, making her hood flare out to full mast, making him reach out and stroke it playfully and gently. It was only flair with all the surprise wrappings he kept giving him that he got his own back sometimes. Blue pillow? Cortez asked, obviously confused, and Liam chuckled. An inside joke. My sexy little love cobra here really loves her blue pillow, and is rather defensive of it is all, Liam said with a soft smile. Her little blue throne, Leah said with genuine warmth in her voice as she looked at her embarrassed sister. Cortez smiled and nodded, obviously understanding. With as many sons and daughters as he had, he must have many inside jokes. Come on, I'll give you the two myself. I doubt I could pry my large love away from the ghost of children if I tried. And I'd need a seriously big pry bar to pry my daughters off them. Cortez chuckled as he glanced over to the big throng of cooing Xeno girls. The medical went very quickly. One of the male Xenos, a, pa- a male Praetorian, conducted their checks and pronounced them all fit and free of contagions. And once that was done... Another male called Farron took Lieber to give her a detailed run of their medical procedures, while Cortez took the others on a little tour. Once they were all done, they met back up again and Lieber said she was eager to return to the medical tech and procedures of Clan Mason were astounding to her and there was a lot to take in and a lot for her to learn 
as well as to take back and aid her people, clan willing. From there, Liam finally led them to on to the Seeker Temple, where all of them sat in true awe, gazing up at the huge building, which now had ghost slitherers slithering about exploring and talking to their fellow dream warriors as the Seekers made their distant brethren welcome in their new home. Come on, girls, let me... You let me into your home and hearts, and now it's let my turn to let you into mine. The one I have, one of those two that I haven't already shown you, anyway," he said, smiling. The group followed him through the gates, and almost immediately they saw Zed and his pack running around the gardens, being chased by laughing and shrieking ghost slitherer children who were playing with the huge gentle fire tigers. One of the children was currently riding on Zed's back with his tail wrapped around the fire tiger's midriff holding on for grim death. On a bench nearby, Annalise was sat with Kalmar, watching the tigers and the children play as they appeared to be laughing together, which truly was good to see. Liam couldn't even begin to imagine the horrors that poor Draconis boy had endured in his young life. And now here he was, sitting in a huge garden, surrounded by beauty, guarded by a plethora of warriors who would die for him in a heartbeat as he was one of them now, a member of the clan, and as such he carried the promise of their strength everywhere he went. Liam led them down to his quarters, which were a fair bit larger than they were on the ship, more like an apartment than a set of quarters, really. Jack Mason made sure that every one of his seekers lived in comfort as a reward for their service to the clan. He had a lounge, his own kitchen, a large bathroom and a decent-sized bedroom, with a double Yujuta-sized bed to accommodate Seekers with a partner. It was kind of the universal standard here. The girls slithered all over the place, investigating absolutely everything. That's when Lieber froze in the lounge and made a squealing noise. There, sat in the middle of the room, next to the small dining table, was her blue pillow. She slithered over to him and coiled himself around her, coiled herself upon him made a big happy smile on her face. That's when Sev let out a squeal of her own and slithered over to the bookcase in the far side of the room. She found her own books had been placed among his. Liam indeed had gone to great lengths to ensure that their personal items were brought from home and not just smuggled out of the dreamer but placed among his own things here in his home in order to make them feel just as home as he did. The Xenos could be rather a sneaky bunch when they needed to be. Once he'd settled them in, and they'd absolutely destroyed his bedroom by turning the bed into a kind of wrap nest of blankets and pillows, Liam now knew how they liked to sleep at home. It made sense that they turned it into a communal sleeping space for them all. Now all he had to do was figure out how to, for them to be able to bask. Though to be fair, it was the middle of summer here, though it might be somewhat distracting to have a load of naked serpentinus lounging around in the gardens. So it might be worth a call into Yoshi and Citrus Hives to get some basking lamps set up for them. So after said brief call, Liam took his girls on the tour of the temple and they watched the Seekers training and learning the skills of their trades. Watching Tamers learning how to commune with nature all around them. Watching Soul Knights speaking with the spirits of the honoured dead. And watching the Seekers of Truth learning how to find their brethren even as hidden as they were. Eventually, when they returned to the gardens, where a large amount of the ghost litherers had gathered predominantly males, Jack appeared to be in the middle of them all now, 
and Tick was sat on one of the benches surrounded by a load of curious serpentinous children who were absolutely fascinated by the huge proud huntress, their little tongues flicking at her constantly, and Tick seemed as enthralled with them as they were with her. Ah, Liam, good timing. The glow slitherers want to perform a ritual for us to thank us for bringing them here. Take a seat. This ought to be interesting, Jack said, gesturing to a large bench. As Liam sat, the ghost slithers grouped up together in a circle, entwining their tails into a knot. They all faced inwards. Suddenly it occurred to Liam where he'd seen this before. They were going to dance. Jack was right. This was going to be interesting indeed. Ah, so that was chapter 14, ladies and gentlemen. Well, what is this ritual that the ghost slitherers are going to do for the clan? And, and is it going to be really that interesting? And what will become of the ghost slitherers in the future? Will they become full members of Clan Mason? Or will they return to the Serpentinus homeworld and become new guards for their people? And you can read one way to find out the answer to those questions and so many more. You're going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you all next time.